Welcome to If These Balls Could Talk, where each of us brings forth five topics to discuss. My name is Mark Pesci, and with me as always is my Buzz Lightyear to my Woody. Oh, can I actually say that? John Campania. What's going on, John? My Buzz Lightyear or Woody? <laughs> no, you're Buzz Lightyear. All right, that's I'm, good. To I'm infinity my Woody. and beyond. <laughs> I'm not sure we can say that. This is a kid's show. No, it's not. This is not a kid's show. Not a kid's show. We've, def- we've definitely marked more episodes as explicit with language than we were than dropping not. f-bombs last week yo we were we were yeah anyway good to, good to hear from you john how's it how's it's always good to hear from you how's things how's life i'm drinking another southern tier beer not Ooh, a sponsor not a sponsor. pumpkin which is actually very out of season but still good oh, it's wow. very out of season although it'll it's i think it's closer to being back in season than out of season i don't right? even know what month it is anymore it's 90 degrees today oh that's true now that i think about it i thought <laughs> i thought it was like june it was so warm today it really was. As per usual with us is our producer and our version of Sam Beckett from Quantum Leap, Pete <laughs> Steffen. I knew Pete would appreciate that one. How are you doing, Pete? Gotta love the leap. Was Pretty that good. even good? I did injure my wrist, but it's it's on the mend. They put Aww. me in this freaking splint thing. Show so us your like, robot arm, Pete. There you go. There's a, <laughs> Pete does not have a robot arm, you guys. I'm more machine now than man. That would be funny if his, his arm just started doing random things during the episode. <laughs> so it's feeling bittersweet. The Buffalo Sabres are out of the playoffs, but there's a lot of good that uh, gives us a lot of hope for the future because they're by far the youngest team in the league. And Devin freaking Levi, they're like 21 year old goalie who was playing college hockey like two and a half weeks ago and is now like really good in the NHL out of nowhere. So I'm super excited for them next season. Anyway, I feel like you've been saying that about the Sabres for the last 10 years now. Oh, it's gonna happen. One of these years. <laughs> can anybody beat, can anybody really beat the Bruins? Not this year. Ooh, that's a very good question. Uh, you know what? They've bro- again. They've broken my heart so many times being the number one seed of the. Look, they the better win the whole thing this year, or else that'll be the most disappointing uh, ending ever. It'll be the like kind of like the 2007. It'll Patriots. be like being a Bruins fan always. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Uh, with us today is our guest Kevin Stevenson. Welcome to the podcast, Kevin. Hey, thank you, guys. Pleasure to be here. Great to have you, Kevin. Let's say we get to know our friend Kevin, shall we? So, Kevin, we met in a singles activities club in the Boston area, or what a previous boss used to lovingly call it, the Rent-A-Friends, over a decade ago. We have met many wonderful people in that club, and we all remain close to this day. Tell me about some of your fondest or craziest memories from the club, and I'm hoping you bring up the mustache pub crawl that we all did. Ah, the mustache pub crawl. Well, first of all, I, I'm, I'm excited that you call it like a singles club that the, that has some suspicious overtones to, I know. to it. Um, but as far as the craziest memories go, wow, there's a lot of ones. There were no um, bowls or keys in these parties? No. Okay. No, 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 no. Lots not, of drinking, though. At least not on the public calendar. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think I think the two memories I actually carry the most. One of them, of course, is that mustache pub crawl that we did. That was um, epic. Can you oh, explain man. what the yeah. mustache pub crawl was? Yeah, totally. Uh, so we um, decided to do a pub crawl with mustaches. It was a very Bostonian thing to do, and I think we actually did it in. Uh, in South Boston, no, not South Boston. Uh, in- we we d- yeah, we did it around Central Square, didn't we? Yeah, uh, no, no, no. We we did like eight pub crawls, so like it all kind of blurs together. Yeah, at that's some true. Point. Oh, it was all yeah. We were all over like, the place. Maybe the just same a massive two year. It's just like a big massive two. <laughs> the longest crawl, crawl we just ever. Came in, came out of it, and like what happened? Uh, <laughs> no, like we all agreed that we we're gonna do it's a twenty twenty. You guys, 
<laughs> and uh you know i actually like had a mustache i felt very bostonian in it and uh i do believe mark you had uh mustache eyebrows i, I yeah so we we I, I don't remember who i don't I, was it gardner or maybe it was someone else who they actually did have like mustaches that you could stick on your face and for whatever reason i decided to put them all over my eyebrows so i had like charlie chaplin eyebrows for a while i do have a picture <laughs> i will share that in the social media we definitely need to see uh, that it was also back when i had hair although i think it was when i was fooling myself and thinking I mean, I you didn't hair. really have a, ever have a lot of hair mark oh i had a lot of hair growing up <laughs> i don't remember so long memories. <laughs> so my um, memories of your um your group and we did a lot of stuff with you guys back when you were really doing it all the time was mark's birthday at the karaoke club where ooh. we were singing and we were riding blow up pool toys uh, in oh yes. my gosh I remember i have some pictures of that so we did, a good party that's right. right we did the backstreet boys on like the yep. big stage in front yep, of everybody. on the big stage we did the backstreet boys and there was i think jeff was on a seal something while yeah. holding a giant plush or like blow up guitar that's right amazing you know, that was probably the first time that i blended the the club you, and you the blended the groups yeah. blended the groups i think i like remember humping said seal at some point during that song <laughs> <laughs> um again karaoke that has like a whole different connotation so um i i had, drink, I had forgotten about time. i had forgotten about the karaoke great he got like a well it started with a private room that we had for a while right. so it was and just then like, we went to the public room yeah and then we went out to the to the big stage after the after that i i've had a few epic karaoke themed birthdays there was the karaoke cruise that i did one yes. year that john Ooh. and pete unfortunately you you were not no. therefore i think we did it on a friday we yeah we rented a cruise ship um and we went around boston harbor we got, had a dj we just did karaoke for a few hours and on the water that sounds amazing it was pretty yeah, fun and we did um celine dion if i do remember correctly yeah it seems very suitable <laughs> to each other seems something from titanic when you're on yep. a karaoke cruise around absolutely. boston harbor amazing absolutely of course, does John or Pete, does that surprise either of you that I've done a karaoke booze no, cruise? not at all. Oh, yeah, not that at sounds all. really, that's, we should do it now because like two of your awesome. favorite things combined into one. The world is open again, right? I feel like a lot of things with you, Mark, you could just take karaoke and combine it with some sort of activity and put them together and it's just going to, it has happened or it's going to Karaoke happen. fun run. Yeah, I do like the karaoke. Sure. That, well, that, that has happened. happened. Yes. That has happened. Kevin and I, unfortunately, that race is no longer around, uh, no, but no. there was a uh, a 5K. It would be our 5K to kind of start the year. It okay. would be like we would set the baseline for the year for this for this 5K. But afterwards, there would be a huge karaoke contest of which Kevin and I have won it before. Wow. Uh, there is some some controversy that we have. We <laughs> should have won it multiple times. <laughs> Uh, we can get into that another time, but uh, yes, you can get that, into it now. I don't know if there's enough time to get into it now. We'll <laughs> <laughs> just, just leave it in a few short words. Karaoke, choreography. Yes. Nice. That's the whole story right there. You know, I think I remember seeing a video of you guys practicing that, and you were tight. Toit. Toit. The, like the performance was much better. I'll uh, okay. if I if I can share the performance somehow, I, I will. But <laughs> I actually think I Kevin, I'm pretty sure I think our Uptown Funk performance was better than Bye Bye Bye, which is what oh, we yeah, won. Totally. We won the, the the contest with Bye Bye Bye. See, Mark, but, you have a platform now. You guys can start your world famous karaoke band. There you go. We can tour. I'll be your manager. <laughs> we can do tour. <laughs> I think this happened in an episode of like Family Guy or something like that, didn't it? <laughs> 
I'm sure. <laughs> Probably. What hasn't? <laughs> yeah, at least they didn't make you sing like immediately after finishing the race. Could you imagine if it's like you cross the finish line, they're like, all right, now get up there. And it's like, <gasps> and here's Mark. Wait, <laughs> yeah. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah, still there was breath. one year I actually felt that they did that because I was out of breath when I, we got up to stage. I think we were like the second act or something. Collusion. Like that. Uh, yes. <laughs> this is a perfect segue into my question talking about running. So, Kevin, you are an avid runner and have done countless road races, including a few full marathons. That's really impressive. <laughs> you also do a lot of bicycle races, including the Pan Am Challenge in Boston and the Five Borough Bike Tour in New York City. So tell us how you got started participating in these and why do you still do them to this day? Because it sounds crazy. I think there's a drinking story behind this, uh, actually. Um, as Isn't far as like, the always... racing goes, like, I, <laughs> yeah. All good ideas start with a drink, don't they? <laughs> Always. So I, I don't know, about 11 years ago, 10 years ago, Mark, we were doing uh, you know, a pub crawl, as fate would have it. And there's a group of people doing a 5K. The next morning, uh, it was like a Thanksgiving kind of fundraiser thing. And we you know, all agreed, come back the next morning and run this 5K. So we did. And that, that itself is not a trend. But what inevitably no. happens after such a run is that you have a few drinks, you're eating probably too many wings, and you say, hey, we should sign up for another run. <laughs> and so it started, and you know it's been great. I, I, I really enjoy the running. I think it's a great social activity to meet people, and it's also a great stress mm-hmm. relief. And mm-hmm. you know, it gives me something to work towards, even if I'm sometimes an angry runner. Um, and I'm like, <laughs> why am I doing this? It's 85 degrees. Like, come on. It's like angry at yourself, not not the competitors or not the other racers. It's more like, um, I hate doing it, but I love doing it. Uh, the love hate mm-hmm. relationship with running. Love hate running. Oh, totally. You like hate it, hate it, hate it. You got done. You're like, wow, I just ran six miles. Like, and I'm not dead. Right. And I do this again. And you find yourself out there wanting to do it. I also have a competitive streak. So like the first time I did it, I'm like, oh, I can do better the next time. Do better the next time. And totally. So there I know. And, and here I am 10 years later, still running. Um, Congratulations. Last 10K like a week ago, it actually said uh, personal best. That's great. The good thing is like myself and Kevin and a couple of uh, other people still do it. Like we mm. started with a much bigger group. <laughs> that, that group, yeah. you know, kind of hung on for a couple. There's only a handful of us now that that still do it to this day. Yeah, I'd imagine that crowd would fall off over time. But that's awesome that you guys both still still do races together. Like Kevin said, we've been doing it for over 10 years. Unfortunately, I have been having some knee issues, which mm. kind of makes Oof. sense when you're pounding pavement for so long. I mean, I don't do the most aggressive training schedule, but I'm still just pounding my knees on asphalt. Uh, it, 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 it takes a toll. See, the last half marathon I did, uh, Kevin was there as well. We were at Martha's Vineyard. Uh, I had to change my stride halfway through my training I hear you on that. It was, it felt so weird. And then I found out that that didn't work either. So I ended up having, Pete, you'll find this really weird. I had to run the race flat footed. Oh. Because that was the only way that I could run that distance without an exorbitant amount of pain. Weird. I ran like a minute slower than I normally run. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I did actually, I almost ran the whole thing. I think I ran. Like the first 12.2 miles and huh. then I had to stop because I felt a little twinge. Oh, yeah. That's hard to continue after that. But that that is that is crazy. I feel like that's the hardest part. When you get past like 15K, it's just it, it's not necessarily about 
even cardio at that point. It's oh, like, it's so mental at can that your point. body hold up over the course of that? Just getting pounded or beaten to death. I think it's more mental at that point. At that point, yeah. your body is just, you know, that's, this is the rhythm that you're in. Yeah. And, and the self doubt might get into your head. We have a college friend who fell into running really late in life. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, now it's been a while, but probably, well, at least 10 years ago, cause that's when his son was born, but at oh, least 10 okay. years ago, he just fell into Ironman races and he and does ultra marathons. He does ultra, he does ultras. And like the last one I remember him doing, he ran all the boroughs in New York city just overnight. And his, vi- his videos are insane. Just for fun. Like the things he puts <laughs> up, he traveled to South America and he just walked to South America and ran yeah. South America with a bunch of buddies. It's He's crazy. on like running podcasts now. Um, Hey Oak, what's going on? Hey, okay. Yeah, I like to think that if you if you run and you know people that run, you have that one crazy running friend that like, <laughs> yes. oh, I ran across Iceland or you know, right, right. Like, what did you just do? I mean, I ran and felt miserable for fifteen minutes, and you ran across Iceland. Pete's been doing, um, <laughs> and I've known Pete. I've known Ollie for a while, but I've known Damn. Pete for a while, and so Pete's been doing a race in Western New York that is into a brewery and that beer at the end. Uh, it's Utica, so it's not Western New York. It's like Westish. It's 90 miles. Middle-ish. Right? It's westerly, yes. all right? It's, it's westerly. Un- it's unlimited free beer at the end of the race. Pretty awesome. Called the Have Boy you registered for that race yet? Not a sponsor. No, I'm not doing it this year. I What? I know. I, I might do it next year. You got to bring back all the Utica Club. I haven't <laughs> I haven't run it since 2019, and I PR'd. I trained my ass off for that and ran it like better than I'd run it ten when I was 10 years younger. So Don't I'm you like, run that race better drunk? Like when you're real hungover? Because yeah, usually that I'm trying to make too. you drink the night before. Yeah, that started actually going to Mark's birthday because it was well, like... Pete's it's also a, a genetic freak. It's also Pete on the weekend of Mark's birthday. Freak. So I always felt bad like, oh man, like I'm excited for the Boilermaker, but I still want to make Mark's birthday. So one year I was like, you know what? I'm going to do both. So do both. the night before the race, we go into were you at providence at that point probably yeah yeah yep. so we drove to providence uh, my wife and i and drank all night with mark and all i night. got to the race at like 7 a.m hungover mm-hmm. and ran my best time yep <laughs> i don't know <laughs> and then drank more beer as one does yes. so guys let's transition into what we're here to talk about sports so kevin mark tells me you grew up in chicago and even made it to wrigleyville for the 2015 world series which the cubs ultimately won uh, can you tell us the difference between being a chicago and boston sports fan and a new york sports fan and also where is the best place in chicago you think to get deep dish pizza oh um, let me start with the second question first the best place to get a uh, deep dish pizza my personal opinion is uh, the original pizzeria uno's um in chicago I mean, they do the sausage well. They do the cheese. It's just a great deep dish pizza. A lot of opinions on that. Giordano's. You know, Giordano's. By the way, mm. Uno's, the chain, not the same. Not the that same. That doesn't count. That's not the like, same. That's oh, no. cheating, man. That's it's cheap. Just, there might be a lot of people listening. It's like, there's an Uno's by me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't, don't accept a substitution, man. You gotta go for the real deal. <laughs> Honestly, it's the best one. I mean, I've tried a, a wide variety of them, and that one is good. But I will say this. I don't live in Chicago now. So if I want to get it, you can actually order um, Lou Malnati's, not a sponsor, uh, through the mail. <laughs> yes. and they will deliver it to you uh, on dry ice. And it really? is the real deal. And it's good. Wait, so, have you done this? I've done it multiple times. Really? Oh, that sounds amazing. Oh, well, yeah. You just take it right out of the dry ice container and put it straight in the oven and that's that? Oh, yeah. You can throw it in the freezer. But yeah, you just throw it in the oven, man. And so, away you go. 
Wow. So yeah, when you when you cook it or reheat it, whatever you want to call it, what how do you do that? Do you broil it? Do you put it in the oven and bake or warm or? Uh, yeah, they give you like the direction. It's like you know whatever, like four hundred degrees for like twenty minutes or something like that. And nice. They suggest food delivery is actually a really menu. big deal. I just bought macaroons online. They have online macaroons now, and those mm. are delicious. I mean, yeah, especially when it's like some signature place, right? It's like, this is our world famous, like, Jimmy Chong. We went to Giordano's when we went out, and that was pretty good. But being a, like, and you'll ask Mark, right? Being a lifetime New Yorker, I have a hard time calling it pizza. It's different. It's a different thing. (laughs) Wait, wait, before we move on from Chicago pizza, shout out to Pie Guys. It was my first first true deep dish pizza. There, there's a picture of me and Steph's friend in front of Pie Guys, and we look like we're about to throw up. <laughs> there's so much pizza. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, like, I love, I love like the deep dish pizza, but it's not like real pizza. It's, it's, it's a meal. Like a slice is a meal. You yeah. Know? And you just walk yes. out and like, there's a lot of things happening in there that shouldn't be happening. Um, <laughs> no, it's all great. So as far as like, well, I think the first question. Um, I grew up a Cubs fan. That was like my number one sports, you know, team growing up the whole time, and. The nickname I think before them was the Lovable Losers. Um, I think that pretty much describes a lot. You know, you you kind of live and die by the Cubs, and you, you bleed cubby blue. Mostly die. Yeah, mostly die. There's yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> but like you know, July first, you're like eh, next year. Wait till next year. I think what was and 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 not true to the Cubs' past experiences is you know they stuck with you know a lot of their their homegrown talent. I mean, usually the Cubs were. You know, let's trade it away and pick up some big names and pay them way too much, Soriano. Um, and <laughs> you're welcome yeah, for that, by the way. <laughs> so, you know what sucks about Soriano? Soriano, one of my all-time favorite Yankees, he left the Yankees and he just turned into a garbage human. Mm. Mm, it's too bad. I think to this day, people still don't know how old he is. So wait a second, though. In twenty, you said the Cubs were really good in 2015. Mm-hmm. The 2016, I believe they actually 16. won the World oh, Series. Yeah. They, they missed, missed but they about were actually one good like year. a couple years before and a couple years after. And it was like that was the peak moment for them. But you know, like that was yeah. just such a great ride because like like a lot of good, like teams like the Red Sox fans and stuff like that, they're very loyal fans. Cub fans are and sure. you know to go along for the ride with always sort of the promise of next year. And we had so many close calls, you know, as far as the playoff goes. Mm-hmm. You know, who can forget Steve Bartman and Moisés Alou and Steve like Bartman? Yeah. Yeah. Could you speak a bit to the the sports scene there? Like it, every time I go by Wrigley, like when I've been there in Chicago when a game was going on, it seems like such a cool, intimate setting. There's like people on rooftops on lawn chairs, like uh, that can see overhead into the stadium, like next door. Well, it's the the friendly confines, and it's like the Wrigleyville neighborhood. The, the, the joke is, it's the biggest bar in Chicago because uh, okay. the whole vibe, ex, you know, extends beyond the ballpark, you know, and into the neighborhood around it. What are your favorite seats in Wrigley inside or outside of the ballpark? Like is the, the deal at uh, the bar across the street where the stands are on top of the roof. Is that better than being in the park? I, you know, I've never actually been on the, on the, the seats on uh, the top of the buildings across the street. And the reason why is because I've sat in the bleachers before and yeah. the view is not that great though. Being in the bleachers is like the best experience. I mean, like the fans are great. Yeah. Kind of oh, a wild yeah. experience out there. I, I just feel like sitting on the rooftops would be like 16 miles away. Not that I haven't considered it, but <laughs> need some um, good binoculars. Exactly. But my, my favorite seats, if you can get on the lower level, somewhere between like first. That's where and we third. sat. Um, I went in, uh, I think about old, I went in 2011 and it was awesome. And yeah. um, honestly, one of my favorite, I've been to now 14 parks and that's one of my favorite ones. Yeah, I mean, one of the great things about Wrigley, too, is, like, if you're sitting near the field, you're sitting near the field. Yeah. They've got a really small foul territory, yeah. and, 
you're just right up on it. And uh, it used to be that you could sit right behind the bullpen as well, because that was on in the, in the foul territory. And uh, it was just so intimate. And you felt really Well, it's got that really cool old school baseball feel that Fenway has um, because, you know, it's 100 years old. Right. You know, yeah. it's been around. And I almost feel like, you know, that that feeling in the spring when you used to walk into your little league park and used to be like oh it's baseball season like you get that feeling when i walk into those parks. yeah, like yeah. Finway, i think Wrigley both share that experience you walk in you're like yeah baseball's happening here baseball's happening that's so here. cool gentlemen let's uh let's say we get started shall we hell yeah yeah we're gonna start with football football, football. <laughs> now there are multiple strategies when it comes to building an nfl team due to trying to balance talent and the salary cap the most popular strategy lately has been previously mentioned on this podcast multiple times, and it seems to be taking advantage of a quality quarterback on a rookie contract and building talent around him like the Eagles, Bengals, and Dolphins. You also have signing the franchise quarterback to a long-term deal and hoping to get quality draft picks on rookie deals like the Chiefs, Giants, and Bills. Finally, there are the teams that go all in for one year and then deal with the consequences later, like the Rams, Saints, and Buccaneers. So, gentlemen, which NFL team ideology do we agree with the most, and which team would you like to be? I think that the one in the current state of the NFL that's working the best is getting as many cheap rookies as you can, being the, being the Bengals, right? Two top receivers and a top quarterback in the whole league on a rookie deal. And so then all that money, all that cap space is just for your defense, and for special teams and for places that are like making you really dangerous, like their defense, their defensive line is insane, right? Joe Burrow is as good as they come, probably top five in the last two seasons, right? And especially last so, season, yeah. And so is Jamar Chase, good as they come and cheap, cheap, mm-hmm. man. Rookie I mean, contracts. we're talking, we're talking 40 millions for Danny Jones, my boy. <laughs> we're talking 50 million for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, probably Lamar Jackson's gonna get. 40 somewhere now no, that he's, he's decided 50 you think he's gonna get 50 he's gonna get 50 probably and i mean all of that money's just gone and then how are you gonna buy the best you know nose tackle or the best free safety in the league like how are you gonna do that when you have no money um the giants right spent all that money and they're gonna lose dexter lawrence dexter lawrence is gonna walk and so how are the giants probably without dexter lawrence gonna be any good i don't know now, Kevin, coming from Chicago, the Bears are in a pretty good situation right now. Da Bears. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because, like, I, I think the the one thing you just described there, uh, you know, uh, you had a couple of things in your comments there, John, that I think really kind of resonated well uh, and painfully for a Bears fan, actually, as well. Um, solid defense. Well, you, you got to have, like, a very solid defense. But on the offensive side, I think the trend, a lot of, good teams are working with is sort of like spending their money wisely, not overspending and committing to a prospect or a player that, you know, three years from now could be done and out of the league. How much do so, you think they regret trading Roquan Smith, by the way? Probably as much as they regret every other. Decision. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was going to be expensive uh, this upcoming season, but you also didn't realize that Justin Fields was going to, you know, do what he did. And I mean, and did you rea- realize Justin Fields was always going to be great? I knew he was going to be that good. I wanted, yeah. if he was going to fall to the Patriots, I thought I was like, Belichick, get on that. But there's no way you would, that was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I think with like the, the Bears and like other teams that are doing well, you know, you kind of build your team around a solid quarterback, good decision making, somebody that is not going to like bail you in the, in, when it, in a critical moment makes smart decisions. 
if you can wrap them around some good receivers, a great tight end, because that's where the money is these days, right? Mm. Um, you can make a lot of other things work. You know, I, I think about um, there are teams doing very well with average offensive lines. You can't have a sucky offensive line. You got to have something that's depth to it think about like how was it like maybe 10 years ago like the patriots were working with three different running backs and they weren't spending a lot of money from either any of them and somebody asked for more money they got somebody else and so they were considering them like an interchangeable multi so what do you want to see from i mean because ryan poles right he made the best move of the off season so far and so what do you want ryan poles to spend all those draft picks on i think some decent receivers that would stick around for a while <laughs> would always be a great place to start but i mean right we're already already making good moves already acquiring Dante foreman in the off season already acquiring dj Moore in the off season that makes mm -hmm. your team infinitely better already yeah. right justin fields with already two probably wr2 rb2 skill players off the mm -hmm. bat, really kind of a very strong base to build from. Yeah, I mean, so if you have still still have money to spend, I mean, you, you shore up the areas where you really need to be solid. I mean, you can never go wrong with spending some money on your offensive def defensive lines. You know, if like a player Defense. goes down, yeah. then Justin Fields going to spend all his time basically running around the backfield and, and like not he does taking plays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, running for his life. <laughs> yeah, and think about all the situations in the past season, a couple of seasons where like teams have really good offensive lines but no depth. And they lose a player who's like 37 years old and they got to go out and like get a free agent who's clearly not front line. And then they spend the whole time like go left, go left because of the right side's weak. And, you know, I, I think that sort of depth is critical to success. And that's where I've always been a big fan of like kind of protecting the quarterback, getting a good solid defensive line to stop the run on the other team or like the short passing game and, and building from there. So we have to end this on the Pete question. How many more years, Pete, do you think that the Bills have a shot at being the team that they are, but not making it all the way. Like, what do they have to do to cross the finish line? Uh, so this was actually going to get a little bit into the my answer to the original philosophy question, which is I think the best franchises are the ones that do all three of those things and know when to pivot to each of those strategies. Um, you like, do have to pivot. You can't yeah, stick to like, that like strategy seen, the whole time. And honestly, all of it revolves around your quarterback. Are they good enough? And where are they in their deal? What's their situation? Can they, you know, and we kind of saw that with the Patriots for that. The reason they were so good for so long is because they were all three of those philosophies. Uh, like, you well, know, Tom Brady was also never the on, highest paid quarterback. No. And they did luck out a lot there. Uh, but as far as Buffalo, I would say, honestly, they just they did the right things this past year with Von Miller getting him. And then when he went down and half the defense with him, I think that just it was just a comedy of things that just killed it. I for Buffalo to, to do it, they need a one B receiver. They need one or two upgrades on offensive line. They need Von Miller to be healthy and they need their offensive coordinator who was brand new last year. First time ever doing it. He needs to step up and get better. Yeah, Ken Dorsey right now, I think, is really only known for trying to smash his clipboard uh, when they lost to the Dolphins. He was very upset. <laughs> well, very, very upset. That and every play is, you know, throw the 90-yard bomb go route straight down the field, which worked for like five or six weeks, and then everybody was like, oh, we should stop that. They they, they need their superstars to be healthy, and they need a, a 1B receiver for to help Diggs. All right, now next topic. So we're going to keep it on football. Uh, it's the offseason, and the struggle is real for top NFL running backs. In an offseason that saw Ezekiel Elliott get dropped, uh, Saquon Barkley does not plan to sign his franchise tender before the team's offseason program begins on Monday. Uh, the Giants have designated Barkley as their franchise player last month, and owner John Mara said that he hoped to reach a long-term deal that would make Barkley 
quote, a giant for his entire career. Barkley played a full season in 2022 for the first time since 2018 and finished fourth in the NFL with 1,312 rushing yards and scoring 10 touchdowns. Uh, We've talked a lot about Saquon's importance to the Giants offense, but in an NFL that is throw first and second. Do we think that the Giants need to stay strong and stick with their original offer? That's $12 million and $10 million on the franchise tag. To follow up to that, will the value of RB1s continue to go down as the NFL changes? And will offenses continue to adjust as that happens? So short answer is yes. Because running backs these days are... the you, we, we, We've talked about this multiple times. The workhorse running back is pretty much dead. You, you have two solid running backs now that are interchangeable. They might have different styles, but you can have a series with one and then have the next series with another. But, uh, I mean, even Derrick Henry, who is arguably the best running back out there in the NFL today, the Titans kind of want to trade him because he's t- he's, he eats a lot of money and um, he's, he's getting up there in age. Now, granted, he's a lot younger than the four of us are, but... <laughs> Running backs are definitely try, uh, trending towards a younger crowd. And the, I mean, think about it, though. The average career of a running back is probably the shortest out of all other positions. Uh, just because you're getting hit. Think about it. If you're getting 20 touches, that means you're getting tackled 20 times a game. What sure. other position does that happen to? Yeah. Uh, at least in general. No, yeah. no other position. Oh, yeah. It wears you down over time. With the um, exception of maybe offensive linemen, but offensive linemen are twice the size of running backs. Yeah, they can endure better. I, I agree. I think um, I remember an interview once with Thurman Thomas, who was a famous Hall of Fame running back for the Bills. He Drink. said, <laughs> <laughs> yes, after the 92 season. So that would have been his fifth year in the league. He said his legs were shot and he lost his burst. Yeah. Now, the next year, he had one of his highest totals in yards, but it took like 300 something carries to do it because his efficiency just fell off a cliff and then he was never the same after that that's only five that's five years that was five years i i love uh there were there were clips of jerome bettis soon after he retired trying to go up and down stairs and it was a struggle for him oh yeah and he was a bigger back too so Mm -hmm. like oh man but i mean derrick henry's not slowing down right 349 attempts last season um, 219 the season before, but he was hurt that season. 378 the season before that. He's in his seventh season. Last season, he ran for 1,500 yards. So, I, I mean, he's yeah. a freak of nature. But he like, is. Javante Williams, right? Javon, big Javante got hurt game mm-hmm. two, right? Yeah. And yeah. everybody talked about how strong Javante Williams was, right? Yeah. He could carry a defensive back on his back, literally, well, right? Saquon Barkley, what they call him, Quadzilla, right? The, right. the man's got huge Barkley. legs. <laughs> huge and I guess legs. my question as a Giants fan is... Without Saquon Barkley in 2021, they were garbage. Yeah. Um, sure, Danny Dimes has been fixed a little, and maybe he'll get even better. And Isaiah Hodgins is apparently the next coming, as well as <laughs> fixing Darius Slate in the Giants offense and, and Darren Waller, right? And so maybe we can become like the rest of the league and have a passing offense, but Darren I'm just not Waller. convinced. I'm so uh, that that I think is going to be the sneaky move of the year, getting Darren. Waller. I think so too. Yeah, <laughs> trading good. Darren Waller essentially for Kadarius Tony, wow. who was like one year in the league, maybe. But uh, have, having he's going to be he's going to be Daniel Jones' security blanket this upcoming year. Because and I mean I think that's what John Mara thinks, right? John yeah, Mara yeah. sees the success that the Ravens have. He sees the success that the Chiefs have with this really like one a top top tight end and he's like well we got it now we're good 
You know, I think that's this, this sort of the argument that you could make about like top tier running backs and like do because I, I think that old school NFL philosophy is like you pass or you right ran and it was just a very simple sort of like binary choice. You got you you ran it and you ran it off tackle right up the middle or whatever. Maybe you run a sweep and like mix things up a little bit or something like that, right? And then you pass it and it'd be like throw it to a wide receiver on the corners, maybe occasionally across the middle. But like the game has become so much more multi-dimensional. You have quarterbacks so different. Yeah, I mean, like they they pass, they run. The running back is no longer catching the little dumps, you know, off to mm-hmm. the side. Um, you know, they're doing blocking, they're doing running. So many hats they have to wear that I think the value of just saying like fifty percent of my offense is going to run through the running back. Those days are probably limited. Those days are done. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like you know, honestly, if you're going through, you know, college as a, as a, a running back, which I'm in experience, none of us probably have. Um, and you know, you're going to take a beating, and you're not going to be the keystone of an offense. You know, like is the talent going to going to stay there if they're not getting paid and you know, can you get top tier talent like that anymore? Well, I, mean, I know. Yeah, it's a good question. Someone, and I think we all do this. I play in three fantasy football leagues, and my strategy has literally always been running back, running back, wide receiver. And it's not going to be that next season. It's nope. not. It's probably no. going to be wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, if not wide receiver, wide receiver, quarterback. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, times are changing. I mean, and it it translates into it, everything translates from fantasy football, right? Because if you score touchdowns, we score points. But if you score touchdowns, you make money, right? And if you mm-hmm. score touchdowns, you get on TV and you get good shoe deals, mm-hmm. right? And so Stefan Diggs is the guy now and Michael Thomas is the guy now and Saquon Barkley really isn't the guy now. Well, he's he's a guy. He's I mean, he's not worth $40 million. Speaking of hard decisions, next topic. This week in the NBA, we're dealing with the NBA play-in tournament. This started in 2020 and now allows two additional teams from each conference to essentially make the playoffs, but having to earn their way in much like the first round of the NCAA tournament. For those who don't know, this round has the number 7 seed play against the number 8 and the 9 versus 10. The winner of the 7 versus 8 game gets the final number 7 seed and the loser faces the winner of the 9 versus 10. That winner becomes the final number eight seed. You got it? So, this move has resulted in more buyers during the trade deadline, but also the season ending a little later. So, gentlemen, what are your thoughts on the NBA play-in tournament? I mean, it's going to give LeBron another chance to win it a It is going to give LeBron another chance. People, just, they love to talk about LeBron and the Lakers love to talk about LeBron on the Lakers uh, and that game that they beat the Timberwolves magically even though Anthony Davis tried to throw it away <laughs> did he literally tried to throw it away but I mean I think that more sports especially more playoff sports giving more markets a chance to play in um, the MLB having four wildcard teams I think that's all really good sells more tickets breeds more excitement now you have 20 teams make the playoffs, though. That's two-thirds of the league. More than two-thirds of the league make the playoffs. Yeah, but these play-in tournaments aren't the playoffs. No. But, but it's again, just yeah, more why have televi- them? It's more televised more sports. Yeah. It's more, more revenue. revenue. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's more it's revenue, revenue that matters, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, it's viewership. You're going to make some T-shirts for it. Maybe some teams that wouldn't normally be in the playoffs, into the playoffs, to give your fans something to root for. It's always kind of been a mixed bag, in my opinion, about like having more teams in the playoffs because, like, I remember when they did that in baseball, they expanded the playoffs. It's like, oh, and now the goal is to not make the playoffs. You know, it does add excitement. And eventually the teams kind of, the players and the teams and the fans, they all adjust to it. You know, I don't think, as long as you don't dilute the pool too much, yeah. it's probably not the worst idea in the world. 
Well, again, there's two additional teams in each conference that make the playoffs. So that means two additional franchises that are get excited because they made the playoffs, even hmm. though. But it's know. still eight teams, though. It's always it's, been eight teams. Well, yeah. it's uh, technically, yes, you're absolutely right about that. But there are four teams that have to participate in this play in tournament. But there's still only so. eight teams that make the playoffs. Does that mean they're going to add like four more teams in a couple of years? Probably. No, no, they're talking about that. There's the tournament to get into the tournament. Yes. <laughs> there's also talks that i don't know where this this um where this is now this this came up a couple years ago they wanted to have a little mini tournament halfway through the season mini tournament yeah. i think it sounds fun i, I don't know I, I like this idea it's different i mean also I, I i think basketball is a little bit of a different bird i mean especially playing competitive basketball you're always in a tournament every basketball yeah. Every basketball competitive thing ever is a tournament. You play tournaments in CYO, you play tournaments in high school, you play tournaments in college. I mean, you just play tournaments, right? Yeah. And it's so, a, but none of these teams are actually going to win, like the, the championship. I mean, how many more people? Okay, so listen, to it, right? As far as the NBA, how many more people are going to watch because LeBron just made the playoffs in possibly his last season? It's a great story. It's a great story, and it's it sells basketball. Don't talk tickets. business to me. It does, though. <laughs> it sounds like we need to have like the NBA's version of the NIT, and just like set up yeah. a whole yeah. separate <laughs> tournament for like you were almost good enough, Here, not quite. Yeah. So why don't you play? Here's a loser's I, st bracket. I still don't understand how college football playoffs work. I don't understand it at all. I don't understand who the winner is. I don't understand. Oh the yeah, so, so and it used to be even more confusing because there was really only one game that only allowed two the top two teams to play in it. And now they've expanded a little bit, but is the Rose Bowl the best one, Mark? The best? I mean, the Rose Bowl typically has the Big Ten, the winner of the Big Ten face the winner of the Pac-12, Pac-8, yeah. whatever they are. So, and I mean, they're not really included. Although now they are, I believe. Who gets now, to go to Disney World? Uh, I don't think anyone does. <laughs> That's At least not in college, <laughs> but uh, that that was actually the big deal. Now there they will be expanding. To, college is expanding, or at least the football bowl series, the FBS, will be expanding to eight teams. I believe wasn't there like a Jimmy Fallon year? Bowl this year? Uh Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Oh, <laughs> shut up, a Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. You shut your mouth. <laughs> it was the LA Bowl, uh, LA Bowl presented by Jimmy Kimmel or something like that. I hate that. I hate that more than the NBA adding four teams that Jimmy <laughs> Kimmel gets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can get on that the fbs series is the only one that has the bowls everyone else actually has tournaments like the division the division one double a i forget i think they call the football championship series now uh yeah, they used to be one double a where they actually have a tournament and division two II, division three all so, have like, tournaments what made georgia the national champions because uh, they beat the top 14 the teams that's essentially it but they only had to play two games in order to become the champion and like you said before the play in tournaments is more games more revenue why why isn't college football at least the football bowl series taking advantage of that have maybe have the bowl games be actually meaningful for once and have these teams play for something yeah. uh and you have a, you have a lot of like seniors that are going to be eligible for the nfl draft that don't even want to play anymore but if they if these bowl games were actually meaningful and maybe and against like top talent, you know, maybe they'd start. Well, playing don't worry, again. Stetson Bennett's yeah. going to sell groceries next year. So, yeah. oh, so, someone's going to draft him as a quarterback. Nobody's going to draft Stetson Bennett. Someone's going to. Everybody's saying he's going to go undrafted. Could you imagine like the sportsbook revenue if they did something similar to like March Madness? 
from college basketball like for, for what? college football for college, college football? football yeah i mean you couldn't do 64 teams that'd be insane but like well, even if you there's did a lot 16, of betting going on we'd in still be football. playing we'd still be playing right now there's a yeah. lot of betting <laughs> in college football i don't i don't think they have to add a bracket to it next topic so like most things in my life mark i'm going to keep following you in topics i've been trying to ask this question for two weeks brawny james son of the king <laughs> earned co-mvp in the mcdonald's all-american game earlier this month uh, he scored 15 points on five three-pointers in a game full of future stars james looked like he was the best shooter uh at six foot three 190 pounds james is ranked 35th overall in the prospect class of 2022 and is currently uncommitted to any college program uh, this was a couple of weeks ago sure um what do we think about Bronny james not being committed to college uh did he win and MVP over top prospects like Isaiah Collier because of his dad. And what do you think it's like being the basketball playing son of possibly one of the greatest basketball players of all time? And that is why he is so overhyped because he is the son of LeBron James. LeBron James, when he was in high school, was deemed the chosen one by what Michael is- Jordan. Well, on the Sports Illustrated cover. So following in his footsteps is his son. Is it fair? For him to do that, no. Uh, but he's there's a lot of expectations for Bronny. My gut feels that he is not going to live up to them because you already said it. He's 6'3", 190 pounds. I believe at that age, LeBron was already like, uh, what what it was? How tall is LeBron? Is he six eight, six seven? He's he he was he's definitely taller, and he was a lot he was a lot more built. Like, that was one reason why LeBron James is as good as he is or was and still is. The man is a tank. Yeah. He is built like he was like almost chiseled out of rock. His son, while he's got LeBron James's genetics, uh, doesn't seem to have the same build as as his father. So uh, we will see what happens with that. Now, if do I think he's going to play college? No, I don't think he's going to play college. Do you think Bronny even wants to play basketball? Oh, absolutely. I bet he does. I mean, who's to say his style isn't different to adapt to his body type? Like, <laughs> what if just he just go around being LeBron's son? <laughs> well, yeah, that's he's already got that. He's going to get paid a lot more money initially yeah. just to be an NBA prospect. Now, he probably won't go to college. I don't believe so. I think he's going to go overseas and get actually paid, but he probably could make more money with, you know, with all the new NIL rules and, and NCAA. Well, we'll see what happens. It's. I think. I. I think he's setting himself up. I mean, to Isaiah be the Collier, right? Down. Who is Isaiah Collier? Who is a better prospect by far? Right. He's six four. He's he's taller. He's a better shooter. He's a better ball handler. He's he's just more built. He's two hundred five yeah. pounds. Yeah. He's going to USC. And yeah. so any prospect worth their salt currently is committed to a college. It's yep. April, right? Let me put it this way: Like, Ronnie, is it like confirmation bias? You know, you are LeBron's kid, therefore. Anything you do is going to confirm my belief that you are the next version of him. And so even if he doesn't set himself apart, just being like average means a lot. I mean, he, can't he, be sells, average. T- he sells tickets yeah. until yeah. people realize he's bad. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, like, so right now, as long as he like can live up to some of the hype, then we'll continue to buy into the idea. I mean, he, he looked good in the All-American. Special. He looked good in the All-American game. Yeah, with all he, those threes that he's shooting, do you think he might maybe not like be the dominant player of force that LeBron well, was? But could he could uh, he go like the Steph Curry route and just be like Mister Three Pointer? Oh, he's well, more also, he's I more mean, Seth Curry than Steph Curry. And that's his size, though, right? So, mm-hmm. Bronny James is never going to pound the pavement with nope. you know 
any of the tall guys in the NBA right now. He's just never going to do it. He's not big enough. The name we haven't brought up in a while is Victor Wembanyama, and that that kid is going to take the NBA by storm next year. The ball, bro, uh, the ball boys like Lonzo, Lonzo Ball, Lamelo Ball, and there's another one coming up. I forget. But Lonzo Ball, oh my God, the most overhyped player in history, mainly because of his dad. Mm. And yes. he has become one of the biggest disappointments ever. Not only can he not play, he can't stay on the court. He gets hurt all the time. That's too bad. Who knows what Bronny's faith is going to be, but I, I feel like he's being set up for failure. Jesus, these pictures of Victor Wembanyama next to regular-sized humans are hilarious. I bet. So he's 7'2". He's 19, guys. And he's still growing. Seven and he's two. still growing. He's still Jeez. growing. And he's already playing professionally, right? Because he's from overseas. So well, he's, he's only playing, playing professionally because he did, at the time, he didn't think he'd get paid here. Well, he also can't be drafted yet. Yeah. This is the first year. Nah, somebody will pick him up. Oh, he's, uh, he's going to be the number one pick. Real quick, Mark. Who's the NBA uh, MVP this season? Oh, man. As much as I don't want to admit this, it's probably Giannis. It's Giannis. I actually, I, I think it should be Tatum, but it's going to be Giannis. Yeah, I know, but that's, that's, some, that's a little bias, I think. No, Tatum's had an so? amazing year. Tatum's had Tate, an amazing I mean, year. I don't think anybody beats the Bucks with Giannis the play, playing the way he does. Oh, uh, the Celtics will beat the Bucks. You think They've so? They've done it before. They did it last <laughs> year. Hello, I am French angry vampire man, and now I will be introducing next topic. Dwayne Casey is a very well-respected NBA head coach. However, in his five years with the Detroit Pistons, the team's record was 121 and 263, including a 17 and 65 record in his last season, which was the team's second worst in their franchise history. While most coaches may have been fired after that, the next step for Casey is an undisclosed front office position, but presumably a promotion. The owner, Tom Gores, has publicly lauded Casey and everything that he's done for the franchise, including mentoring a lot of young talent while the Pistons have been, quote unquote, rebuilding. So, gentlemen, what does it say about an organization that moved failed Pistons coach Dwayne Casey to the front office? They believe in fail all the way to the top, for I sure. I mean, can we, can we just talk about when the last time the Pistons were good? It's been a while. So the very first year that KC coached, they were uh, they were a playoff team. They had, of all people, Blake Griffin on the team, who, who was kind of good at the time. Uh, they had a lot more veterans uh, that first year, and they after that year they they dumped a lot of them and they got a, a lot of younger talent. Uh, but they have de not been getting better. Do you feel like they were a playoff team then, like because of this coach or in spite of the coach? Uh, kind of seems um, like the latter. It's it's hard to say. So he was on the Raptors before, and the Raptors were a very good team uh, when he was their their coach. He ne never won a championship, but they were in the playoffs every year. But again, they had a good amount of veterans on the team. The Pistons, a lot like the Buffalo Sabers, they seem they've been in a forever rebuilding stage. Uh, I mean, they've had a couple great uh, picks. Uh, in recent years, but they just still can't translate that to win. So, I mean, it's an it's an excellent uh, position. I, I think there's going to be a they lot made the of interest. In 2019, Mark. That was Casey's first year. Yeah, mm. 41 and 41. They finished. And then the last time they won, 2004. It's been a while. It's wow. been a minute. It's been a minute. That was a good team. 
That was a good team. That was a really good that team. That was a good basketball team. I mean, I think the problem with the Pistons and the problem with a lot of those middle America, mid-market teams is that they just have never had enough interest or enough money to put a good team together. Well, the Pistons have, like, they've been stacking a lot of really high-quality lottery picks. Kate Cunningham, they drafted a couple years ago. He's, he actually looks like he's going to be a pretty good player, but he got hurt this year. Uh, I forget who they drafted last year, but uh, they've they they uh, they've had the lottery picks. They're a lot like what the 76ers did a few years ago when they were called like, the process. I think that the state of the NBA basketball right now is that there's so many above average players, like so many really, really good ones. And all of they they all want to play together. Yeah. And they do play together, right? Yeah. There's the, the Miamis, the Lake, these super teams. And it's the first sport that is, I mean, not the first sport, but it has been very apparent in the NBA where championships are really staying put. And so teams like the Pistons, I just feel like they don't even have a shot. But move, move, moving back to kind of my question, though, like Dwayne yeah. Casey essentially got rewarded for being like having a bad record. What does that really say about the owner? I mean, and let's Dwayne Casey is a black head coach. So is this a good thing that he's kind of getting a front office position? Mm, I don't know. I, I also think basketball is different than every other sport. There's no Rooney rule in basketball. Right. Because <laughs> there doesn't have to be, right? There's been... Right, they actually the like award and promote coaches based on merit for the I most mean, part. I mean, I don't know anything about Dwayne Casey. So uh, as per usual, John is talking out of his ass, but... <laughs> is there, that's, that's part uh, of the drinking game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> is there things that Dwayne Casey does for Detroit? That's what you said for the Pistons the franchise. The owner loves him. The owner I was loves say, him. This has well, got to be some kind of personal relationship. Yeah, I was going to say, he's got like a still a year left on the coaching contract, right? So No, but he's a, he's a, has officially left the head coaching position and he's being moved into the, the, the executive office. So that's like a new contract. Yeah, I mean, he's essentially retiring from coaching. So I think that somehow, that doesn't necessarily void the contract, mm -hmm. but it's allow, allowing him to move on to another position. Well, I would say this. So it's not the first time like a mediocre coach has moved into like a Brad front office job. I mean, like that happens <laughs> all the time, whether he deserves to or not. I mean, like, that's kind of like the name of the game. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think Dwayne Casey's a bad coach, though. I mean, he's not he, a bad he coach. Won, he won in Toronto. Oh, yeah. He won consistently in Toronto. He's definitely not a bad coach. But he again, there were veterans in Toronto. And the year that he made the playoffs with the Pistons, there were veterans. So while he may be good at mentoring young kids and I don't know what that necessarily what that means. I don't know. I mean, what? there weren't any big headlines in, in Detroit saying this this kid shot someone else. So like, there's no John Morant's going on in Detroit right now, even though Detroit at the at one point in time was known as the murder cap of the world. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the world's full. The sports world is full of like coaches who come in. They get a team that's maybe got a good mix of like young players and veterans, and they do very well uh, because they're just a good steady hand. They get the team to kind of focus on the basics and you know, and push them through. But when they get handed a younger team or a team with some lesser talent, they might struggle because just it's not where their skill set lies. So, you know, yeah. who knows? Maybe you'll be a gym in the front office. You never know. Let's go on to the next topic, y'all. So guys, in other podcasts, you should be listening to news on the big podcast with Shaq. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal anoints Angel Reese as the greatest athlete in LSU history. After transferring from Maryland, Reese sets an NCAA Division I record with 34 double-doubles as she led the Tigers to a national championship. Uh, the self-proclaimed, and get this nickname, Bayou Barbie, which I love, uh, was a unanimous <laughs> nice. first-team All-American, averaging 23 points, 15.4 rebounds, and shooting 52.5% from the field. 
So being an LSU athlete himself, do we think Shaq is right? What do names like Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark, and the Kavner Twins do for women's basketball in the name image likeness era? And with a young team under the leadership of Kim Mulkey, will we see LSU repeat champion next year? Can we back up a little bit? Did you say that Shaq had a news podcast? A new podcast. Oh, a new. <laughs> oh, I love. Uh, come on. I would love Shaq to read the news. By the way, Mark, Shaq does his podcast in big reflective glasses, which I think you should start doing. I think we need to get Shaq on like a news program doing like the traffic reporters. I would love to see Shaq. Yeah, do do the weather. It's like, this just in. It's raining. Shaq out. Anyway, literally, Shaq literally was like, though, um, People don't rank women athletes uh, the no. same. He's like, I don't do that. And so speaking as just athletics in the LSU programs, all the great LSU programs, Shaq, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Angel Reese. I mean, it's a big statement by him. So going going back going back to uh, Angel Reese and, and LSU Tigers, I loved the, the Final Four of the women's basketball tournament. So exciting, right? South Carolina being uh, undefeated and Caitlin Clark... It was Caitlin Clark. It wasn't just it wasn't the whole team of Iowa. It was Caitlin Clark that essentially beat the uh, the lady Gamehawks or whatever they're called. Uh, the University of South Carolina. Keep trying, man. Oh my God. I know. Well, no, no, no. So I know it, they're they're the Gamecocks, but I think the women's team is called. I think you're right, Mark. I think they have a different name, and the, the name escapes me. The the big story, especially around uh, women's college basketball, was the University of South Carolina and Don Staley. They were undefeated, and they they beat some really good teams over the year too. But that final, the national semifinals game against Iowa and Kaitlyn Clark, I don't think the final score really reflected how well, how good of a game that was. And Kaitlyn Clark essentially took over that game. I can't wait till she actually go makes goes into the pros. I was a little surprised actually. She didn't declare herself eligible for the uh, WNBA. Aaliyah Boston did. She was the number one seed uh, or the number one pick. Angel Reese uh, doing the whole John Cena, you can't see me thing. Ah! Oh, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. And she got she got some flack for it because, oh, she's a lady. She shouldn't be doing that. It's like, hey, man, no! I want women's sports trash talking right at the top. Absolutely. And totally. Kayla Clark took it like a champ. She's like, yeah, I deserve that. I deserve that. And even Angel Reese was like, I didn't really mean it as it's disrespectful. And it's it kind of sucks that she, that she had to apologize for that too. Because would sure, we, uh, would we have fun. a man apologize for that? No. Huh. I, I mean, it was amazing. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson essentially punched each other in their face for five years. So that's true. That's a true fact. So let me, fact. let me just tag on to that remark, though, Mark, about like would we ask men to do that? Because I, I think back to Shaq's comment about being the greatest player in LSU history, the greatest athlete. You know, I, I think for a long time, you know, like women's sports, women's basketball in this specific example, like we're probably under-recognized, you know, they're not being yeah. held at the same standard, the same recognition, the same celebrity or fame that the men's basketball game has. And that translates from college into the pro, the pro ranks. So, you know, whether Shaq is right or not, you can ask the question if he's helping, yep. you know, the exposure of these athletes, the game itself. And like, I, I will tell you right now, I'm, I'm a huge UConn Huskies fan when it comes to the women's basketball. And, you know, I remember when, like, if you wanted to watch a fun game, Gino you know, Ariama. until they played Tennessee every year. And, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gino Ariama versus like, Pat Summit. Yep. Yeah. And now you can go see it. It's not just like occasionally, you know, Notre Dame and uh, Moffitt got in there. There's a number of teams that are really good in that. Parody Absolutely. Has made the game much more exciting. Well, I also think. Watch. 
And then it's the reason I brought them up. I think that the Cavender twins are a really interesting part of the women's mm-hmm. sports, the women's sports landscape. I mean, they have six million followers over their socials. They're both beautiful and they're both great at basketball. And mm-hmm. it's like um, they um, transferred to Miami and they actually just announced that they're not going to do their fifth year. They got an extra year because of COVID of eligibility, but they're not going to do their fifth year because they're just oh, they they're, they're social media famous now. Mm-hmm. No. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's a little bit sad. Oh, although maybe, you know, maybe they'll go eventually go with the WNBA, but they're going to make a hell of a lot more money doing being social influencers or whatever they're going to be versus the WNBA, which in which some is sense is sad. <laughs> Haley, um, Haley is much better than Hannah, right? I for, always forget which one is actually good at I basketball. I can't tell them apart. <laughs> <laughs> Again, going back to Angel Reese, I, I love that girl. I, I applaud her. I love Caitlin Clark, too. The well, women's I game. Really I'm very excited about the LSU program because Kim Mulkey yeah. is going to... Kim I mean, Mulkey is a really good coach. She is a monster female coach, right? And she's going to mold anything they have. They have young talent. They have Angel Reese for a whole nother year. I think they're going to be good again. There's a lot... I mean, it, yeah, like Kevin said, it used to be essentially Pat Summit and Gino Oriema, but there's a lot more women's programs that are, you know, becoming really good. Dawn Staley, while they lost to Kaylin Clark, she's building a really good program down oh, totally. in South Carolina. Great, great program there. It's time for the next topic, okay? Okay, now it's my turn to bum everyone out. So far this month, two mass shootings have been reported on the news cycle, including a school in Nashville and a bank in Louisville. There are different numbers being reported of the total number of mass shootings this year in the United States, mainly due to no clear definition of the term mass shooting. The Gun Violence Archive defines it as having four or more people injured or killed. For the past three years, just about an average of two per day has happened in this country. The news coverage may seem repetitious, and you can definitely see news anchors becoming frustrated with having to constantly report these mass shootings. While the story of each shooting is tragic, the resulting action from each event has become underwhelming, especially from Washington. So, gentlemen, has this country become numb about gun violence. I just I, I don't think anybody knows what to do about it. I mean, all us sane we, people who think that AR-15s are stupid and that you don't need to be able to buy them anywhere, nobody listens. And, yeah, well, it's the politicians and it, that don't listen. And I think that the real, pro- the real God's honest problem in America right now is that everybody hates everybody and that the people who think that they should own a gun to the bottom of their core and the people who are legitimately owning guns and using them for the things that they want to use them for not being AR-15s because that's stupid um, should be able to because freedom right but I think that those people hate the people who say we can't sell automatic rifles and the people just nobody is listening to the fact that we're not just respecting basic human laws you know don't hurt your fellow man don't hate your fellow man like just do unto others right yeah, I feel like that we've traded that that idea for the dependability of like saying if I support gun rights, I've got a guaranteed block of voters, and it's political capital that you've got to spend to break that pattern. And you know, there are politicians unwilling to spend that capital. Don't get me wrong; it exists it exists at both ends of the political spectrum, right? There are people. There's a dependable block that says. I don't support this at all. I don't want gun rights. I don't want this. And that's political capital you have to burn to find that compromise. But we are so polarized in you know our viewpoints about like this is again one of those things where we made it a binary decision that compromise becomes a difficult territory if people aren't willing to burn some capital, some political capital to 
to reach a compromise in what seems to be a reasonable approach. I think the vast majority of people in this country probably believe that some regulation is necessary, that like assault rifles are not needed in the back of your car. I've yet to hear, I've yet to hear a legitimate reason why we need, why we need automatic rifles. Why, what, what is the purpose? Like aside from them being really fun to shoot, um, what is the purpose of, of them? I get you need, you want to defend yourself. I guess the argument is, well, if my uh, if my enemy has an automatic rifle, I want to have an automatic rifle. But, <sighs> but no one goes out and buys a tank. There, know? there, and there have been stats. Well, just give it, when, a, give it a, some time. When yeah. they, when they, there was an assault rifles ban for a little while, and mass shootings went down. Funny mm-hmm. how that happens. Oh, amazing! Um, yeah. The, the you know what the biggest the biggest thing that I I hate is the inaction. Clearly, something needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't totally. and okay there's arguments about what needs to be done but something needs to be done. I think there's no there's no argument against that. And the fact that now the we have politicians on camera mic'd up saying, "Well, I, yeah, there's really nothing we can really do." Fuck that noise. All right? Thank you. Something just needs to be done. I don't fucking care. I'm oh yeah, I'm going off so that's 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 a drink in the rent. I'm going to I'm going to stop. <laughs> Yeah, but I applaud it. I think it's it's stupid because I think you're right that while, yes, there are crazy NRA fanatics out there, I would say them. I, I would like to bet the majority of Americans just want some responsible, yes, legal gun ownership, but responsible and vetted. It's like, why is that so hard? Like the, the U.S. owns 50 percent of the world's guns. It's it's like it's worse than the love affair with cars, man. And what so, so I I understand like oh I don't want you to take care uh, take uh, take away my gun. I am a legal law abiding citizen that owns a gun. So wouldn't you want to have everyone else on your standard have some kind of regulation? It's like okay, you can have this amount of guns or whatever like that, but you have to be you have to like have have these sets of standards you have to have them in a gun safe you have to have them unloaded or or something along those right. lines we have like so you're a responsible gun owner we're not worried about the responsible gun owners we're right. worried about the crazy ass people that are going around thinking they can solve the world's problems by shooting everyone up who who which those crazy people can legally easily buy an ar-15 which yeah. is ridiculous i have no problem with with legal law-abiding citizens that have a gun because more often than not they're not going to use it they're only going to use it if it deems necessary sure. and that's going to be few and far between it's i always look at the viewpoint i know we're running over time a little bit but you know compared to like other rights that you might think we have you know like voting or whatever it might be even though voting is not an explicit right by the way um that's another topic we are very comfortable <laughs> with the idea that we can regulate a lot of other rights you know, and there can be reasonable restrictions on it, like voting regulations. You know, you have a right to move around the country, but you still have to abide by the laws of getting a license and the rules of the road. If we can adopt that philosophy with guns and firearms in general, you know, like, I, I think that would make a much more reasonable place. Again, I think it comes back down to the point, it's like you have a very reliable, dependable block of voters who are going to stand behind you. All you got to do is go stand out in front of the crowd and say, I'm going to support gun rights. And like that 20% or whatever, 15%, probably less than that, obviously, percent of the population is just going to vote for you. And like that deed is done. Check that off the box and move on to the next crowd. That's a, that's a tough one to overcome, especially in today's you know political climate where you 
you want to guarantee certain blocks of voters before you even walk up to the podium and say, I'm going to run for blank office. It's you know, and I know we're I know we're very yeah. far over time, but it's it seems so hypocritical to me. So the fact that you have this, you have a certain crowd that are, let's say, pro life, and they so they are against abortions. They want to save lives. These are the same people that are that are supporting guns that are killing a lot of human beings, mm-hmm. and they don't oh, see how they those two are connected. No, oh. it's it's a ridiculous hypocrisy. I was just going to say, and because we should always, we should still mention it, the main problem in this is, A, the, the whole country is too split. And what, Kevin, so is say, what Kevin is saying is true. If you are a, a Republican, you have to say one thing. Yeah. And if you are a Democrat, you have to say another thing or you don't yeah. get to run in those parties. There's, there's so, so polarizing. So polarizing. We're not yeah. talking about the fact that mental health in this country is a problem. It's not recognized. And normal people who are sane don't just go and kill a school full of children. Because you know, B, stop shooting our fucking kids, guys. Stop, stop it. Shooting, stop shooting the fucking kids. I, I, stop I, I, shooting them. Yeah, I'll probably even add to that argument by saying that we've built a system that perpetuates that. I'm sorry about that next topic there, Mr. McDee. So on that note, <laughs> I'd like to take a moment to talk about what's really important and not serious. Beer. So thanks to the pitch clock, games this season are trending to be on average 31 minutes shorter and on track to be the sport's lowest since 1984. Because of this, at least four teams, the Diamondbacks, Rangers, Twins, and Brewers, have extended alcohol sales through the eighth inning and other teams have not ruled out that change during the season. Really? And so the MLB doesn't regulate when teams sell alcohol. Unlike most things in baseball, the seventh inning rule feels more like a tradition than anything else with bars being surrounded by most stadiums. Um, so what do we think about this trend, alcohol at sporting events, and if teams care more about public safety than they do the bottom line? I did not hear about this, and it definitely sounds like they care more about the bottom line than than safety. Although, let's be honest, so yeah, you, you couldn't sell after the seventh inning for a while, but that doesn't mean you're not drinking after the seventh inning. Mm-hmm. So more power to the ballparks. Why, why, why they have that rule, I actually really never quite understood that, because a lot of people, they go a- after after baseball games, they're... They're going out to bars afterwards too. Very few people go home straight after a game, even during the week. It's also an excuse to go buy two beers in the sixth inning instead of just one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, like not like the fans are adhering to like, I gotta stop at seven. I'm gonna I'm gonna put down my drink (laughs) in the seventh inning. I'm done. No, I mean they're going on like, okay, sixth inning, I gotta get in line, I gotta buy four beers for me and my bud, and then away we go. And I'm, I'm, and that's only probably going to justify them now. It's like as opposed to spending eighteen dollars a beer. Now that's going to be all of a sudden twenty five dollars a beer. Mathematical, right? Jeez. The games were fourteen percent shorter, and the number is thirty a thirty four million dollar loss. That's such it's, an interesting spin on the baseball rule, John. I'm so proud of you. Hmm. Like it's oh, really yes. smart. And I mean, I, it's news. It's news this week. I didn't come up with it, but it is a good point. And no, it's a very um, so good point. a lot of baseball players. Um, there was a pitcher yesterday or today that came across and is against it because i mean a lot of people have a lot of bad experiences around drinking Mm -hmm. and driving and Mm -hmm. i mean there is a little bit of a liability issue in the fact that it is kind of dangerous but you're absolutely right now the revenue for for concessions is being shortened because the game times are being shortened so what's how do you counteract that well let's just lengthen the amount of time that we can sell concessions so it makes sense from a a baseball operations perspective if for you are uh, worried about the bottom line 
another th- but you have to listen as a as a grown ass adult you have to be kind of responsible to what your own freaking actions are but i don't know kevin well, you I, I would argue that, like the seventh inning stop or the eighth inning of the night the seventh inning is it, it's an illusion right you know if fans want to yeah what if the game wins extra innings yeah well if they want to drink they're <laughs> yeah. gonna like go buy the, a couple extra beers like let's be honest and like not that i'm advocating going and getting hammered at a baseball game but if you know that the drinks are going to stop being sold at the seventh inning, you're sitting in the fifth inning like, huh, maybe I should get up. I mean, was it, isn't the rule in my whole 30s, the rule was anytime you got up, you bought two beers, even if you didn't want two yeah, beers. Exactly. Time. Like, you don't, you don't what, it's a vicious cycle. You, you, pee, great rule. you buy two beers. Yep. Because <laughs> that was the mat. You couldn't buy more than two. You buy two, you give yeah. your buddy one. And then he buys two. He gives I had to you give one. my buddy one. I didn't. Do yeah. That I mean, one. like, I think the seventh <laughs> inning is sort of like, you know, it was arbitrary. No, it was completely yeah, it's arbitrary. arbitrary. It's, 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 plain, it's plain to an audience that believes, you know, like if we stop selling beers at the seventh inning, we're somehow magically going to stop. Well, drinking. I mean, the baseball stadiums are just not yeah, being liable to illusion. the people who are going to drink and drive anyway. Yeah. And the people who are going to drink and drive anyway are going to drink and drive anyway. By the way, we at If These Balls Could Talk did not condone drinking and driving. We do not condone no, we do no, not. Driving. No, no way. Right. That's why I, I, I walk I from it, the bar. I think when it comes to like like you know major league baseball and like and what time they stop selling beer I'm like people are going to drink at a game and it's up to the the teams and the fans to be responsible about the whole thing but like just stopping at the seventh inning or the eighth inning or the ninth inning is a little bit arbitrary especially when the fans can go walk right out of the stadium and into another bar I said another I mean bar, Mark like has taken me to the ball surround bar surrounding Fenway the ball surrounding Fenway the ball surrounding Fenway yeah I mean literally like at Fenway <laughs> you can walk out walk 10 feet and you're in a bar you know it's, it's yeah. I, oh, think I love a, a Fenway. Arbitrary. I love a good Fenway pub crawl. Are the bar, are bars more busy in Fenway before or after? Because I think in Yankee Stadium they're more busy after. Uh, definitely before. Yeah. Before, before, for sure. Well, I think I think part of the reason too is like, um, you know what? It's changed because now there are more. Like, if you go a little bit further away from Fenway, like they've done a lot of development in that area, so it's actually a little bit more scattered now. It also might be interesting at Fenway if the games are shorter and they're getting out sooner. Then people have time to go to the bars and still get on public transportation. That's true. Too. So it's going to be interesting. To see how yeah, that that's because Boston tra- public transportation is a lot different than New York when it because it shuts down sooner for whatever. Yeah, reason. I mean, so like if it's a late game, and people are getting out of the game late. There's a mass exodus exodus to get to like the public transportation. Oh yeah, mm. so if you buy them an extra thirty minutes or an hour, bars got to be loving it. Oh absolutely. Oh yeah. That now there's a case study for you. Hey, okay. can I can I just mention that the Cubs signed a deal with um no, you a can't beverage this. drink that has C B D. Amazing. Oh, really? That's like a whole yeah. other what kind of beverage. I don't know. I don't really I mean this was just like announced yesterday, but it's like I'm I'm looking at the, the release right now, announced a partnership. I was with- you know, I've been waiting for someone to think about that, having a beverage with C B D because that's that's like the new thing, right? Yeah, is having- that gonna be a regular thing coming up in the near future? Because it does well, yeah. I mean, essentially, it's got all the benefits of of the marijuana, but not like all the the negative drawbacks. Because it's got just the CBD, the good, right. the good stuff, and not the THC, which is the bad stuff. Mm. That's the, so they say. Amazing. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing to to think about. But like, if they do start selling at the ballpark, not that I know they're going to or not. I don't know. I just know they have the partnership. Seventh inning stretch. Is it now a nap? You know, I don't know. <laughs> when I mean the the angle that the Rangers are taking is that they're just going to do more in seat sales, and I got to tell you, as someone who I went to, uh, I sat like row ten behind home plate in City Field this year. In seat sales are the shit, aren't they? Oh yeah. 
Oh, I love mm. it so much. That does sound amazing. Every time you don't have to leave your seat. Hmm. It's, it's glorious. Next topic. And now here's my favorite segment. 10 quick shots to your balls, where I ask 10 quick fire questions that everyone will give their first impression of. Are you ready, gentlemen? Yes. Yes. Sure. So how good are the Tampa Bay Rays? I think the Tampa Bay Rays are probably the best team at cultivating young talent. And I think they've been for probably the last 10 years. I mean, the problem is they're small market, and once the young talent is good, they can't afford it to keep it, and that's what always happens. It's just this year. Can they win the World Series this year? They haven't played they're anybody on, really. They're undefeated. Yeah, they haven't really played anyone yet. I mean, they beat like the Red Sox and and the Tigers, I think, and the Tigers, yeah, a like, bunch of last place teams. I mean, sure, it's great putting twelve in a row is impressive. It hasn't Very impressive. happened in almost twenty years. They may still be undefeated when this episode airs, right? <laughs> But they still haven't played the Yankees. They still haven't played the Blue Jays. They still haven't played any. They haven't played the Astros. I mean, it doesn't yeah. count yet. No, you're well, you're right about that. Yeah, I, I guess I think of like they're a solid team. I mean, like the last few years, they've demonstrated that they're a quality team, uh, and this year looks really good for them. I mean, a great start. I think it's reflective of the talent and the way they play. And you know, are they going to go undefeated? No, no one ever. I does. love watching Shane gonna... McClanahan pitch. No. I mean, there's All no right. reason to think they're not going to have a strong year. Shane McClanahan is a beast, and I would like him to be a New York Yankee one day. But I mean, uh, he, he might be, because like they, they're the only ones that can afford him, right? That's anyway. right. All right, <laughs> next topic. Uh, so, if you, if you didn't hear, DeMar DeRozan's daughter kept screaming when the opposite, uh, when their opponents kept shooting free throws. Every single time. The awful free throw shooting that they had. So, is that fair or foul? Fair. I mean, yeah, totally, totally fair. People have been doing this for years. Yeah. I love the little wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube. Lungs screaming. The arm flailing tube men behind mm-hmm. the, the net. That's my favorite. More power to her. Right. What is an uncommon sport that you follow or play either currently or in the past? Billiards. Yeah, I don't know when you're going to bring that up. Cross country <laughs> running, yo. <laughs> I pl- sport I played in, in uh, school was court ball. What? I'm going to take, take your knees out with my billiards cue. Kevin, I'm not gonna lie. I thought you were gonna say something about axe throwing because I know you. you oh, got well, the hat. I, oh, axe throwing. That's a good one. If I had thought of that, I'd probably. Have you set up the targets at the new place yet? Uh, no, I have not. But oh, Mark, when that. you come by, um, Colin has targets that he built. Yeah, he has one of our guests on the show in season one. He has three bows and two small hatchets and a big axe. Yes. If it means anything? I have the throwing axes in my car. Ready to go. Whenever you're ready to go. Nice. Awesome. All right. What is our favorite boxing movie? I love a good boxing movie. I seem to mm. cry every single time through there's a boxing movie. I like I love the Creed franchise right now. I haven't Million seen Creed Dollar 3 Baby. yet though. Oh, I love that. Right. It's, oh, Hillary it's sad. Oh, yeah. It's sad, but it's so good. See, I feel like a bad human being if I say that's not my favorite boxing yeah. movie. The Rocky was always a I mean, Rocky. A they do a good job with Rocky. It's apples you know and oranges. I actually two. think Will Smith deserved an Oscar for Ali. I I really liked Ali when he portrayed Muhammad oh, Ali. I don't think I saw that whole movie yet. It was a really yeah. Good movie. He put that that movie practice to good use. Yep. I'm sorry. Too soon. You have to understand what the Creed movies are. I think that they are probably the best ones that are out right now for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the Hugh Jackman one with the with the fighting robots, and I don't remember the name of it. Real oh, Steel. Real Steel. I fucking love Real yes. Steel. That's that was, my that favorite was boxing movie. That was tearjerker. <laughs> okay. Uh, what current athlete would you like to have a drink with? Aaron Judge. 
He seems nice. Because Anthony Volpe would be there too? Yeah, I would meet them both. Uh, I'm going to say know. Patrick Mahomes. That's a good one. He'd probably be fun. Probably Stefan Diggs. He Actually, seems like a very interesting You know something? Man. Jason and Travis Kelsey, because they seem like a lot of fun. Oh, I would oh, love to drink with them. That's a good one. I, I like love that. to drink with them. All right. What sporting event that happened before you were born would you like to have seen in person? Ooh. I'm going to proud. The, the miracle on ice. Yes. How could it not? Miracle on ice. How could it not? Right. I'm going to say Don Larson's perfect game as we have our. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. What is your favorite show that you are currently watching or streaming? Head Lasso. Oh. I'm not currently yeah. watching Last I of Us, but Last of Us was my favorite show that I recently streamed. We we just finished Shrinking. Shrinking was, was amazing. Good. I talked about Shrinking on the podcast. Yeah, Shrinking was awesome. I watched too much, honestly. There's a lot. Going yeah, on that's the thing is like I, like, I don't understand. Lists, I can fill that as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Will Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson be moved prior to the draft? Aaron, yes. Uh, Lamar, no. Agree. Lamar, maybe Aaron should crawl back into his hole because he's a crazy garbage. <laughs> love Aaron Rodgers. That's in the drinking game, isn't you it? You want to drink with Aaron Rodgers. Fuck Aaron Rodgers. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you wouldn't end up drinking we, something you would afterwards. thoroughly regret later. All right. Uh, what has been the biggest NHL story this year? The Bruins with the most points and wins. Connor McDavid with the most points since 1996 with Mario Lemieux or Sidney Crosby and the Penguins not making the playoffs for the first time in 17 years. Can I say Patrick Kane winning his last Stanley Cup with the New York Rangers? Or is that not no, right yet? That oh, hasn't happened that yet. Happened. Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. What a good story, though. That won't happen either. I, I like the Connor McDavid story. He's just awesome. I like the Bruins. Exactly, Bruins. Come on. Next I'm sticking with Patrick Kane winning his last uh, Stanley Cup with the New York Rangers. All right. <laughs> and the final question... Is Aaron Judge and Anthony Volpe the biggest man crush in sports? Hell yeah. I said it last week. I want someone to look at me the way Aaron Judge looks at Anthony <laughs> Volpe. <laughs> I heard. I told this to Mark before the podcast started. I heard Aaron Judge bought Anthony Volpe a PS5 and then they played FIFA. How romantic. How romantic. Oh, It's the final topic. On Tuesday night, Jeremy Renner walked his first red carpet since his near fatal snowplow accident. Oof. The MCU OG was on hand at the premiere of Renovations, his new Disney Plus reality series about renovating used vehicles for underserved communities. For those living under a bus, real actual life hero Jeremy Renner suffered life-threatening injuries when he was run over by his 14,330-pound snowcat on New Year's Day after trying to jump back into the vehicle to prevent it from hitting his nephew. Uh, he just did a sit down with Diane Sawyer, also on Disney Plus, and goes over the scope of his injuries and how he was as hurt as you can imagine by being run over by something so massive. So first off, how is Jeremy Renner alive? Hmm. Uh, wh what do you think about his miraculous recovery, his clearly heroic actions, and what would you do if faced with a similar situation? Can I just call out the irony that everyone thought Hawkeye was like the lamest Avenger and here he is like <laughs> he gets oh, run over by the equivalent of like a T-Rex and he's walking around now making jokes about it and like, it's unbelievable he's a real life superhero he broke all his bones all his bones are broken bones. it's he like broke all his bones beat you down and you're coming back i mean that's just like he, he was also on jimmy kimmel and he was essentially yeah he he poked a lot of fun at his injury like a, a, the one one thing that definitely stood out was the fact that i mean he's a he's an actor and you have to work when you're an actor 
Uh, but he said the best. He he was joking, saying the best part of his journey. He does, he doesn't have to work for like the next year. Let me see this too. <laughs> I I did see that clip by the way, and um, for a guy that got run over by his like snowplow, it's still miraculous that he's eight thousand yeah. pounds. Yeah. yeah, he. I would look like I got ran over by a fourteen thousand pounds yeah, snowplow, right. and he looks like he. It's amazing, amazing, and it, it, it's kind of funny how you I, like. Like you said, Hawkeye is quote unquote the lamest Avenger. But mm-hmm. what was probably the best Disney Plus series out there? I heard that one was really good. I need also, to watch by it. far, one of my favorite lines in an Avengers movie was when Hawkeye was talking to Scarlet Witch in Age of Ultron. And he's like, Listen, there's robots. I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes any sense. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to mention, like, you clearly remember Budapest differently than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I remember seeing a shawarma, but that's a different story. His chest collapsed. His ribs were broken. His legs were oh, broken. His, his whole arms body were broken. was broken. His whole body was broken. He was Hawkeye was broken, man. He yeah. tells a story where he was he couldn't speak, and he was writing his last words to his family. This is in the Diane Sawyer interview on Jeez. his phone. And I mean, obviously, he cried when he said it to Diane Sawyer. Diane Sawyer gets the best out of everyone. Of course, um, the idea of throwing yourself. Essentially, you have to look at that thing coming to you and saying, this is going to kill me and make that decision anyway. And I think that's just so incredibly heroic. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that he's alive and I mean, he's never going to be an MCU actor again. Right. You don't but know the that. fact that he's alive. Uh, I mean, is incredible. Oh, I think he deserves to be an MCU actor again. If, if, like after this. Like, no, I mean, they have, retcon- they have to wreck. They can't do Hawkeye 2. They have to wreck on it. They have to but say there's there's people like Pete that, you know, visual effects artists that can essentially make Hawkeye yeah, look we'll, like Hawkeye. We'll slap his face on. You know somebody else. Someone else. You don't have to do that. He just has to look like he's shooting a bow and arrow, right? What did did Jeff teach us? You don't have to actually shoot the bow and arrow. You can just make make it look like you shoot the bow and arrow. Yeah, but then you get a lot of those like Liam Neeson ones where you know they try to make him run by cutting in such an awkward way, (laughs) where he's like, I don't think Marvel has those kinds of people working on their payroll. The the pizza of the world would get very sad. They have ultra pizza on their payroll. Ultra pizza. No, they just have thousands of pizza. Yeah. We measure a movie in the pizza it takes to make it. <laughs> those Marvel movies are a lot of them. A lot of Pete's. More qualified than uh, I mean, listen, Jeremy Renner, definitely an amazing human being, and he deserves all the accolades that he's Can we just right talk now. about the scope yeah. of this a reality show, too, that he's yeah. building vehicles? Yeah. That, that actually, I, mean, I didn't realize that. Hey, was, the, the, the name, name is stupid. Is, name is really stupid. stupid but the idea is pretty great. Absolutely. He apparently told uh, the Disney Plus brass to hold off until he could actually promo the show um, before they released it. So that was, a cool. his, that was a him decision. He's a good guy. Hmm, it seems like it. I've actually, I, I've liked him for a while, even before he was Hawkeye. I mean, he was pretty good in SWAT. He was the bad guy in SWAT. He was a good born. Wasn't he one of the born? Yeah, he was, yeah. He was a he good was, born. He was, was the in the born. Movie. The born something something. It was the born. Like born, 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 born something Jeremy something. Renner. <laughs> The board of Jerry Renner. <laughs> the board, not Matt Damon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's been, he's definitely been, he's definitely paid his dues. He is Hawkeye though. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. Hawkeye. He'll Hawkeye forever is, be Hawkeye. Yes. He's, he's, yeah. a, he's someone I'd like to share a drink with. And by the way, to answer your question, would you do this? Could you be a Jeremy Renner? My wife says I could. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I, I can see it too. I can see you doing that, Kevin. 
But I'm pretty sure I shit myself before, during, and afterwards the entire experience. I mean, like, there's no way I'm walking out of there without like being terrified. I, I would hope that I'm that person. I mean, listen, if if you're that person, if you have to come to a sudden stop and you're and you're in a car and you put your you know your right arm in the passenger seat because someone's sitting there, you're probably that Jeremy Runner. Yeah. And hey, if you're willing to do that and sacrifice yourself like that, you're willing, you're able to shit wherever you want and however you want. I mean, I think and. I'm sure that Kevin can relate, but I mean, I think every, any of these things when related to my kid and fatherhood in general, I think I would do it in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Like if it comes to your kid. Totally. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even think about it. Well, I just wouldn't that, even think even about twice. it. That kid is not the most twice. important thing in your life, right? It's like, more important it's, than it's me, not certainly. even a question. Yeah. I had my shot. <laughs> I made them. So. Yeah. That's how the world turns. So that has been our 10 topics. Please follow or like us on our socials at if these balls pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our website is www.iftheseballscouldtalkpod.com, where you can see our sports news of the day. You could talk to us through Discord or visit our online store and purchase some show swag. We'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. This is Mark Peshian for my partner, John Campania, and producer, Pete Steffen. That's what we feel they would say if these balls could talk. If these balls-